Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Good afternoon. 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 I don't say that very often. Thursday, the 10th of August, 2023, you're back for another episode. Slightly belated of the Tiger Town podcast with your hosts, Zach and Toby. I'll sniffle up, I guess, on the other end of the line, mate. How are you travelling? Oh, mate. I'm going good. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just uh, very nice and congested. Uh, I just can't seem yeah. to shake any sickness at the moment. I feel like a system yeah. of, I mean, a disturbed song. Down with the sickness. You got a, um, oh, you got a little honey. Honey lemon drink there, have you? I do, I do. I actually already had one. I should have just used the same massive jug mug I have here, but I ended up grabbing a new one because I'm weird. Hey, yeah. um, mate, we're we're on a bit of delay this week, but um, sometimes it does happen. Young families and whatnot, and the illness is getting around. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, lucky we can do this in the afternoon. You know, you're on uh, you're on leave, and I'm lucky enough to have a job where I can. Um, work from home. So, beautiful. Speaking of being on leave, I am on paternity uh, leave at the moment, mate. But, um, folks and listeners, if I momentarily have to duck out from the video stream, I may well do that. Tend to the, my little daughter that needs feeding or tending to. However, um, I'll still be still be available through the pod. So on Spotify, you probably won't notice a whole lot different, other than maybe a little a couple of cries in the background or something, maybe from, from the little one. But uh, anyway. I digress. Tends to be the favourite word of the Tiger Town podcast yeah. at the moment, mate. You just um, you just derobed a little bit. It's a bit warm yeah, this way, isn't it? The, it did. It is considering it's still winter. Yeah, it was um, it was a bit chilly this morning, but definitely warmed up. And yeah, time to time to take some layers off and get a bit comfortable and hook ourselves in for another amazingly uplifting episode of the pod. <laughs> hey, um. We played the Canberra Raiders, mate, down in Canberra on Sunday afternoon, four o'clock it was. Uh, final score, 22-18, and a, a fair bit of chat came out of the weekend, not only from our game, but obviously um, across the NRL there was a few contentious, let's say, refereeing decisions, and overall I think the performance was a, a key point of discussion, notwithstanding the efforts that we saw in our game. Aside from the obvious forward pass situations that we saw, mate, um, what caught your eye in that game in particular? I just want to start by saying the official score is 22-18. The actual score is 18-4. Us. Just that's the official score. I mean, that's that's the actual score, just so people are aware. Um, we, could, still we, could make it, we could make it 8. We could make it 12-4. We'll, we'll give him the Brooksy one, even though it was line ball. But Yeah, see, line ball's fine. It's the blatant ones that yeah. aren't line ball that annoy me. I um, tend to agree. Yeah. That offside was a lot closer than the Canberra <laughs> Raiders fans wanted, want to admit. Yeah, and then there's it also... Was a, it was a genuine 50-50. The um, Bateman obstruction never changed his line at all. Had his eyes for the ball. He even went up and said, what am I supposed to do with my eyes for the ball? Oh, but you you changed your line. Have a look at it. No, he didn't change his line at all. So, no. and then, you know, Whiten has the gall to say you're trying to give them this game. I mean, you got that game served up on a silver platter. 
I mean, that said, Jack Whiten must have to be one of the thickest individuals to even contemplate saying a phrase like that, considering he was the very person who... Did he throw a backwards pass all day? No. No, he got caught for two forward He got caught for two. Yeah, he looked very dangerous. He's a good player, but I don't know if he knows how to throw the ball backwards. I mean, you know... He would have been amazing in the NFL. Yeah. For it too. Arizona could use a replacement from Kyle Murray, so maybe they get on the phone to old Jackie boy. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, yeah. Um, mate. Um, yeah, but well, I said we weren't going to talk about the forward pass situations just yet. So outside of that, mate, um, what did happen to catch your eye in the game? Was there anything you liked from your performance? Um, there's actually a bit I liked from our performance. I thought we were easily the better team. Easily. Um, I thought that. Uh, we defended well, uh, especially in that first 20. They had a lot of ball on our line, and we defended very well. We scrambled very well. Um, I think I think uh, Appy just keeps leading this team, and um, it's a little frustrating that some of the other senior players aren't following him, like I said last week, but Clemmer, I think he really stood up, really stood up. I think he ran for almost over 200 metres. Made twenty two yeah, eighty odd monster performance. Twenty two tackles um in the in the middle without a single miss. Um really led from the front. And that was so pleasing to see. Like we we say it time and time again how good or how much how important Happy is. Um and that we want the other senior players to stand up with him. And it was just good to see that yep. uh, that did happen. So to an extent. Yep. What about yourself? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of thoughts from that game in particular. Uh, there, as we said, I think one thing we've noticed about this side this year, and it's a little bit hard to argue with at this point, is as terrible as they are at getting off the starts and just letting teams get the jump on them early, they are equally as consistent at staying in these games. And we've said it several times, there's been a handful of games at most where the game's got away and and we haven't done our best to either fight back or cling on. You know, you can think of the Brisbane game, obviously the Cowboys game was an apparition and there was maybe one or two others at most, but everything else for the most part we've been in the game. I'll, I'll, at some point when we get the, the chance a little bit later, I'm just going to go through and actually look at the amount of games that have been decided by a converted try or less in our season and how many of those were won versus lost. And it's quite a tremendous amount. So I think in terms of character from this side, that's, you know, what they're showing in, in many, many ways. And they're making it hard on themselves. Like what I actually did do is I actually sat there and we spoke last week about um, how I believe that the key issue not being um, a, you know, a, a huge piece of um, infinite wisdom or anything, but our huge issue is our inability to um, complete or capitalise, um, execute was the word that we use. And I actually sat there with a notebook on the rewatch of the game at all the opportunities that we blundered. And I, I went up to about the 50th minute or something. And it's a good little list. I'll rattle it off for you in a minute. But yep. Not with, yeah, that, that aside, um, which I think the first half was big on that, but you know, Canberra Raiders for the same, the same token, they squandered equally, equally as many opportunities. Their ability to stay in the fight is something that we can definitely take out of this year because as much as, 
we've won three games this year. It was four games last year. The, the way that the season has played out, the way the side plays, all that sort of stuff is completely different, even though the wins are comparable and comparably awful. So the table performance, so the ladder performance, um, the results from the two seasons last year versus this year, very similar on the surface. But I think just, yeah, the way that um, the way that it's played out is really different. And if I have to pick between last year and this year, I'm still picking this year. I think we're in a lot more games. And the weekend was yeah. another example of one of those. Yeah, I think so as well. And, um, you know, may as well segue into how much I hate the refs again. But um, I was literally just thinking about it, uh, I think, on after the game on Friday. Did we play it on Friday? Maybe Sunday? Sunday. Sunday we played on Sunday. Um, and I think that that was, again, I think that was one of five or six games this year where a very contentious refereeing decision has cost us the game. Literally. We've been in it, but it was like we've lost a you know, we've lost a handful of games by six points or less. But one of those decisions in that game in those games, and like I said, five or six times, has been very contentious, if not blatantly wrong, to the point of you gotta think there's a bit of uh bit of something else going on. Conspiracy theorist. That's me. Um, but yeah, it's look, it was very frustrating to watch, but like you said, it was um, more frustrating to watch because of how poor those decisions were um, and how much a lot of that turned the momentum of the game. We had a lot of momentum heading into the, the first half, uh, I mean, into the second half, and um, yeah, just poor decisions again. You know, Tim Sheen said it, you know, in the press conference, Ricky must be an amazing coach because they didn't let go one um, one set restart. They didn't let one through the door. And if I remember correctly, that was the issue when we played them last time was they were laying all over us and nothing was pinned. So, yeah, it's, you know, but we kept fighting. We kept, we kept putting in. Um, I was very, very pleased with Charlie Stain's return, even though he didn't come back in the second half. I think that if they don't offer him at least a two-year contract, um, it'll be an absolute blunder. It'll be ridiculous because even in those those 40 minutes, um, he was probably one of our best. Strong runs, extremely strong in the in defense. Um, yeah, obviously finished off that Harbour Bridge pass from Nofaluma. Um, but yeah, it's just that support play. Like it's it's happened quite a number of times. Uh, we made a good break, and one of our young guys just weren't there in support. And that's just that comes with time, development, you know, experience. But that to be there to support, he was only it was only him and Brooks there, and Brooks is over two hundred games, so you'd think he'd like to be there in support. But to be there in support just shows that attitude. Nothing's dead. It's not gonna, you know, we're gonna try to do something here. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Staines is probably one of, if not the first winger picked, I think these days. He yeah. played himself into that position with Tupo obviously being angled towards more of a centre, which I think he naturally has been. And, and given his issues under the high ball himself at times, 
Um, he's better suited to that, and I can see that he and Tal being the first-choice centres moving into next year, at least to start, you know, the likes of Politi and whatnot, chomping at their heels. Uh, so that then puts Charlie Staines, provided we can sign him. And I think there's been a lot of talk about that maybe something is happening, maybe money just being the sticking point at this stage. Mm. Uh, first-choice winger, and particularly over Noffa. I mean, Noffa Loomis, Rocks and Diamonds. Yeah, he took that. That's Again, that's not news to anybody. He took that intercept on the weekend that sort of got our ball rolling a little bit. But can you have a winger that's that slow? Uh, Fair dinkum, mate. You'd outrun him at the minute. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's a good... Uh, I like that's, that. That's not, a, that's not a compliment to you. That's an insult to him. Oh, it's a compliment to me and an insult to him. But they can both, they can both intertwine. It's fine. Um, yeah, so I think Nofaluma, if Staines was re-signed, would be the second winger picked at the moment. We don't exactly have a lot of wingers that are knocking down the door. No. The likes of Jordan Hill and Jimmy Nutlick, who both did ACLs, unfortunately, at the start of the year, who were New South Wales flag cup prospects looking at coming through. So it'll be interesting to see how they they bounce back in the next year and if they're still in the lower system there somewhere because there's a, there's a little bit in there, particularly Jordan Hill. I'm a big fan of Jordan Hill. I think that's his second ACL, though, and he's only 20, so that's, um, that's not good. But, yeah, Charlie Stones is good value for money. I think Penrith had him on around a 500-a-year contract, and that's why we ended up taking him a fair bit of that when he was signed prior to Dylan Edwards as the possibly the, the next fullback for Penrith, and then Edwards sort of put himself forward and, and took that spot. So I don't know that he's worth 500 at all. In fact, I know, in my opinion, that he's not worth 500 as a winger for the Tigers, but, uh, you know, his, his ability to, to slide into fullback as a genuine backup for Jareem as well in that 17 is massive. Mm. He, you know, he doesn't have everything that Jareem has in, in some ways, but gosh, if, if you, you know, your backup is never going to be a Tedesco there sitting waiting until you need them um, or whoever the case may be. He's probably not the best example given his form this year, Teddy, but um, yeah, he just brings good value for money. I don't know. 300 to 350 for me, even 400. Two years with a mutual third, something like that, because yeah. uh, he's only 22, Charlie yeah. Staines, and, and he offers quite a bit, I think. He, he offers a lot. You mentioned I think a few bits and pieces. And... He's very mature for his age. I think the the way he handles himself on the field is not your typical 22-year-old. I think he's mm. I think he's a lot smarter in terms of his football, um, I guess his footy brain, than people give him credit for. I think he understands mm. the game a lot better than a lot of people. So, yeah, I, I'd i be more than happy to go to 450 for me than 450 for um, a couple of years and then mutual third, like you said. But um, I, will, I would literally throw the money at any other decent winger that's on the um, on the market right now just to get rid of Nofaluma. Yeah. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. Like, he yeah, had one. He before. needs to be moved on. He does. He does. And then somebody floated, and I believe it was you, and I believe it was probably a joke. Swap him for Olam. He can go back down and you know Melbourne. Just do that. Yeah, that was a joke. <laughs> but it, it would be interesting to see if there's still some interest from them in him. Uh, and because yep. he's on that sort of an inflated contract, whether it's five hundred or five fifty or whatever it is, which is ridiculous money for a winger, uh, even top shelf winger. And that's why I said three hundred, three fifty for Staines, but. Wingers just don't command that sort of money. Even if you were to chip in, I think that that's, that's still good business. You chip in even 200 on a 550. I don't know if it's 500 or 550. But let's say Nofalum is on 550. You chip in 200. 
you still get 350 back to replace and 350 gets you a good winger yeah. i think because the nature of that that contract of Nofaluma is because it is inflated you can almost contribute a little bit more to have somebody else take his freight for the next two years because well, that will still free up some space who's probably on the market for a winger we can just you know i'll get on the phone call to their their recruitment officer and say hey do you want him i'm talking on behalf of the tigers here so uh, from all reports uh, that we've read and seen, uh, he is being shot and he has been offered to a few. So I don't know. Sheens has a habit of being able to move Deadwood quite well, as well as anybody in the industry. So yeah, um, we saw what he did with the likes of Musgrove and Little and Peachy and these sorts of players. Gildart was another one who had been contracted this year. So he can get rid of some Deadwood, that's for sure. So hopefully Nofaluma is, is in that situation. But it's hard to say because, like I said, there's no real wingers in our lower grades knocking down the door just yet. It's not a position that we're super flush with players. We've got a lot of utility players that can fill in, but what sort of a job are they going to do? Um, the likes of Naden, who is MIA at the moment, Kipawa's hands just ain't it. And Toa, we agree, hands, but also probably better suited to the centres, even though he's been a bit quiet lately. So, yeah, maybe you're on the money there. Maybe we look out to see if we can recruit. Um, a, a winger. But like I said, there's those couple of boys there that were injured with their ACLs in Hill and Nutley, so I'd be interested to see how they come back. Yeah, because there's no one... I had a look. There's no real decent wingers on the market, unfortunately. Um, no one that yeah. I can sort of say, let's go after them. Um, but yeah, it just it'd be nice to move on from him. We're moving on from Brooks, which is best for both parties. Uh, Noff is another one of those that's just plodding along now. Um, like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, but what about that break and that pass? But then what about when there was a minute and a half to go, we had all the momentum, and he decided to try to offload the ball when we had, it was tackle two. Yeah. 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 Like, and that, that just, it just typified it. It just typified everything you get with Nofaluma these days. He'll do one or two good things, but he always pays it back with negatives. And probably more than negatives probably his most weak. And in a lot of ways, he's the opposite to Charlie Staines, who is a very high percentage type player. He doesn't do a lot of high risk type things. He, he you know, he won't, he won't necessarily jam in or go for an intercept and, and have a, an air swing. He won't go for a really risky offload or crab across field in the hopes of getting around them and just end up driven backwards. He just plays high percentage type stuff, finishes on the edges and sometimes but- you get a winger like Noffa, which is high risk, high reward and, and it comes off. He might you know, he, he might make a break himself out of nothing. He might take an intercept out of nothing. He might jam in and shut down a four-on-two overlap and, and you go, how good is that? But like I said, he's just as likely to make two mistakes for every one that he makes. And at, at a certain point, you go, Rodio, well, we need to start tightening that up. Even if we, we lose a little bit of that high-risk, high-reward stuff, Some the likes of Staines being a lot safer. Yeah, but then at the same time, you look at, the like you said, the... Noffer and Staines are very are polar opposites to an extent. And perfect example was twice Noffer jammed in and they had to cover because of, you know, it wasn't communicating or what he wasn't doing, I'm not sure. But then there was that, they uh, Canberra created a shift to the right winger and both Staines and Pupo in unison jammed. And what that caused, the ball went over the sideline because yeah. they both that jammed. twice on their side. That yeah. happened twice on their side. And that's yeah, the like, that's, was the thing. that's the thing. Like, 
out of those two, out of Tupo and Staines, you would like to think that Staines is the more vocal one. Tupo does seem very quiet, but he is a good... Clearly, I think he's definitely suited for the centres. I think he's played better in the centres the last two weeks than he probably has um, on the wing. Like, And that's not saying anything. He's had some great games on the wing, but he's just been more consistent in the centres the last two weeks, which is really good to see. Um, but yeah. out of the two of them, you think that probably Staines would be the more vocal one. So Staines most likely would have communicated jam, jam, jam. And that's what's worth happening twice. And yeah. that's what yeah. you get with Staines. You get that smart football brain sitting out wide on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's certain instances where Noffa does jam in where he actually is able to shut it down independently. And it was a bit of a, a couple of examples of both there. So, like you said, I think best practice is when the centre and the winger work together. So you shut down, you you do that dual jam. So both players jam at the same time. And so the pass needs to be a harbour bridge or it needs to be flat and early, which if you're good enough to pull it off, happy days. I think Reese Walsh did one for the Warriors a couple of years ago against us. So it was like slightly forward. And that was sort of the quality of pass that needs to be if both your centre winger jam. You then have the option where your 5'8", um, your, your second row of 5'8", centre will up and slide and then the winger jams and then they wrap in behind. I remember, do you remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. They wrap in behind and cover. And there's a couple of examples on the weekend where Noffa jammed and it was effective because the cover could wrap because they were on a short side. So our cover could come in behind Noffa Luma. Even though they got around him, we could, they gave us enough time to come in behind. But then there was other examples where he came in and jammed poorly and the pass got away and they got through. And there was not enough for our guys on the inside to get in and underneath and off a to cover. So, yeah, like I said, it's you get everything with it. And it gets to a point where you don't want to play high-risk football on your edges because that's shown to be a problem for us. You know, you can trial it for a while. And if you're getting more output than you are um, input, then then you sort of go with it. If, you know, if Nofaluma is creating two or three chances um, on his edges with the types of things that he's doing, or sorry, even saving two or three, and, and then maybe it's buggering up one, so he's costing a try, but he's saving two or three, yeah, you go, right, yeah, that's a fair trade-off. But I don't think we're getting that sort of value for money. I don't think that sort of percentage is what Not we're getting all. out of him. No. Like, I remember, apart from that, you know, the break on the weekend, um, I can't remember him being the sole reason that a try has been scored. He's finished a couple. Um, and I think when we played the Panthers, uh, he finished a very good one um, to rack up his first, his actual 100. Not 100 for the Tigers, but his 100. Um, and yeah, it's just like like I said, the, the, the risk versus reward is just not there with him anymore. I don't even know if it ever was, yep. to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think if there's anyone on the on the market, that that'd be. I think I feel that we've got if, if everything happens the way that we hope, and you know, we'll talk a little bit more about you know the the signing during last week um, that offic- that officially it's not official yet. <laughs> Excuse me, it's uh it's deemed to be. I just haven't they haven't you know announced it. Um, so I think we're we're okay in the halves. Definitely okay, hooker fullback, um, and I feel like we're definitely probably the uh, strongest 
centre pairing is Tupo and Toh. Um But we're just missing that last piece, the back line, and that's another decent winger. So that's where I put my money now. I think that apparently uh, I was reading somewhere that, um, well, actually, it's probably in Daily Telegraph, but uh, we're going, we're having conversations with Luke Thompson. I don't, why do we need another fronty? I don't think we do. I think we've got our fronty sorted. I think we've got our pack sorted. And then apparently we're also having, um, we're also having our, uh, having a look at Olakawatu, maybe. I don't think we need to. Okay. I, think we've I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh, it was bloody, what's his name? James Hooper. James Hooper said it. So, oh, yeah. How, how much he, he's, where did he mention that? Uh, in the, his Fox Sports column. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Well, that would make yeah. sense because Hamali um, is from Western Sydney. He's a Tartak client who we just signed the Fainer brothers and who is quite tight with Fulton as well. So that would make sense. He's from Tartak Stable. And, uh, yeah, it, it would make sense to me as well because personally I think not so much Bateman. I actually reckon um, Isaiah Papali, he's a bit more versatile than people give him credit for. So I could see Papali playing a lot. I reckon he's actually got re- relatively good hands. Or he actually, when he was at Parramatta and had signed with us, had mentioned he actually doesn't mind playing in the middle himself. So he could even be somebody who could come into the prop rotation too, depending on what the situation is there. So um, you don't turn down someone like Olakowatu, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think we. I think we need a another gun winger. My eyes to finish off that back line, but you know, yeah, yeah I, won't, I don't. I, won't I don't disagree. Him. I think, I think you can. Um, I think you can homegrown, or you can attempt to homegrown a pretty decent winger, or at least a serviceable one. I just think uh, an edge threat like Olakowatu is just giant. I think it, it would just offer so much. So I don't think there's any truth to that. It's obviously a bit of scuttle, but uh, in in regards to the Luke Thompson one. I reckon that's just throwing your name up. I reckon that's manager talk. There's no way on earth. If you look at our prop rotation, we're flush with props at oh, the moment. Yeah. And then you look no. you look at who's coming through. Like, if we just go off and list them, we've got Clement for the next three years after this year, at least. He's only 28, 29 maybe now. So he's got plenty to go. Uh, we've got Steph, who is signed long-term, wants to be captain of the club. He played Origin this year. Then you've got Pole, one of the best up-and-coming props. He's playing a lock at the moment, but he's a prop. Uh, and then you've got Alex Twole, Mr. Serviceable. Now, you could make an argument that maybe Twole is replaceable, but he's a pretty valuable member of that squad, at least at the moment. I'm sure he will be replaced in the coming years at some point. You then you've got Atasi James on the fringes. Then you've got the likes of Miller coming through, Jordan Miller, who gun uh, up-and-comer, but he's 18, 18, 19 at the minute. You've got Fargutu, who just goes from strength to strength as a junior. You know, so prop is, uh, prop is pretty solid for us at the moment. And I can't see us paying overs for someone like Luke Thompson. You know, now, if you look in that balls. seventeen, who is he gonna who is he gonna replace? So I don't actually I actually don't buy that. I think that's just a bit more we know the Tigers got money, we know that they're at the bottom of the table, so um let's link them to major big names. I don't think we're actually looking at him at all, at him at all, to be honest. No, let's hope so. I don't want him. Um Yeah. Well we might move on to someone that we do want and I'm waiting for an announcement is um Last week, it was pretty much confirmed that your um, your all your news that Sullivan has signed for three years with a for uh, option for four. Is that a player option or is that a mutual option? Uh, I haven't got word on that yet. 
Um, there was a bit of talk they were pushing for a player option, but I can't see that happening. So I would assume it would be mutual in my eyes. I think a lot of clubs in particular, and our club too, I think we've really learnt from being burnt now. A lot of our contracts that we're putting out with players and signings, I think, are very much in the Tigers' favour. So I would assume it would be mutual. We've got a couple of mutuals already now on our, in our system, and there's not too many player options, I think, if any at all anymore. So that's my assumption, but I'm just I'm just assuming there. So yeah, it, it seems to be seems to be done. I think there's a medical a day or two ago, and uh, we I think you'd mentioned earlier today uh, in the chat that you're just wondering what the holdup is. I yeah. don't see us as one of those clubs, and it's annoying, but I don't see us as one of those clubs that is ever really in a hurry to put out announcements on stuff like that. We always tend to to just sit back on our heels and do it when, when we want to do it, as opposed to other clubs that make stuff happen and they throw their announcement out and their, you know, their fan base get a little hit of serotonin, which is what it is. But effectively, unless something drastic happens, um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty certain, pretty damn certain that he's, he signs, so he'll be there be here next year. Yeah, and it's uh, it seems to be that my theory of signing Sullivan might actually be the one that they're they're looking towards in the fact that you know they're still looking at Caesar pretty hard, and that looks like that's coming to the fray, um, and that he will mentor the other two halves, um, and basically the first year will be him and Sullivan mentoring Sullivan to play that halfback position, and then in the future will be Sullivan and Fayunu, um. Yeah, I think that's it's, it's it's weird. It's 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 like I should be the coach. So, you know, pay me half a million dollars to do this, I can do it. Can't handle the stress, but I can do it. May well be more than half a million. Um, I'm just reading at the moment that it appears as though the Aiden Caesar stuff has finally been sorted. So, uh, nothing official has been announced yet, but it sounds to me as well. Uh, from what, I, from what I'm reading at the minute, that, um, yeah, Caesar's been done too, one and one, like I'd mentioned three or four weeks back, which is good to hear. So, nice. Yeah. I need to find your sources, hey? You always seem to come out with these little nuggets of gold, and I'm like, I'll look on the forums, I'll look this, I'll look that, and then you'll come out with this, I'm like, where did you read this stuff? You're like, not, telling, not giving away my sources, I'm like, this horseshit. Mate, a magician never reveals his, his magic, come on. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. That means that there's a high likelihood that we'll have a pretty decent halves pairing next year with a with a very uh, senior half back leading the team around, like a Chad Townsend sort of style. That's the way I see it. Um, I think that's how that looks at, and I think that's exactly what Appy needs. I think that's what he was clearly hoping for. Um, and it's look, it's. I feel that, um, you know, at, to a degree, Appy probably has a little bit of sway at the club now, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think that with his experience, you know, he's come from success after success after successful clubs. Like, yeah, when he was at Manly, he wasn't as successful. He wouldn't be premierships. When he first went to the Panthers, um, I'm pretty certain they finished 12th. Uh, and that was Ivan's first year back. Um, and But then he's just played in three grand finals. So he's just had success after success. So if he's got a little bit more sway and a little bit more say, that can only benefit us because, you know, everyone's like, oh, you need to bring that winning culture. You need to bring that winning culture. The only the, the winning culture only actually settles in if you listen to what the people that have been there and done that say. 
And yeah, that's, that's, yeah. if that's if everything happens and we get a lot of, you know, serotonin announcements, like you said, in the next few weeks, um, I personally, everyone will say, oh, this has been a horrible season. I would say that this has probably been the, the season that lifts us up, if that makes sense. This will be the season yeah. where we realize where our faults are, finally, even though you know you and I have sort of said this for as long as the pod's been going on, which is almost two years now, um, but we've been saying it for the better part of 10 years, um, where our faults are, but they're acknowledging it now, um, mm. and they're actually fixing it, which is really, really good to see. I don't, I don't think it can be understated, the, the situation that the club found themselves in three or four years ago, or even yeah, like the Magia or the post-Ivan Cleary era. We've spoken about it a fair bit in the past, but I, some clubs, depending on the situation, depending on how far down the road they are with their mistakes, and I'm referring to squad, I'm referring to long contracts that are overblown, salary cap situations, stuff like that. A lot of clubs simply find themselves in the position that they have no choice but to take the long road out. And... The Bulldogs are one of those. The Dragons are one of those. These are these clubs that have been down for longer periods of time because we, they find themselves in these type of rut. And you get the likes of John Cartwright come out and made a last week a little um, tongue-in-cheek dig at these clubs that need five-year plans, three, four, five-year plans to dig themselves out of the bottom. And he made a comment about, oh, we just got the culture right at the Broncos. It just took off. It's like, okay. That might have been the Broncos context of the Broncos situation at the time. You also got Reese Walsh. If if the Broncos didn't have Reese Walsh and Adam Reynolds, Pain, I guarantee you they would be mid, mid. But even just those two, Reese Walsh and Adam Reynolds, they would be mid table at best. Yep. Reese Walsh's form has him at about a million and a half this year. He's the best fullback in the comp this year. Easy, He's better than Dylan Edwards this year. Easy. He's all over Teddy. He's all over Dylan Edwards. He's and those, you know, so. Let's not pretend as if a bolt of lightning, Reese lightning as it were, didn't help them. Um, and so when you're talking about this being the year we sort of needed to have to, to pull ourselves out of it, and I think that we're, we've talking about we've, we've spoken about it, sorry, a lot over the past, that sometimes certain clubs, depending on how big the hole is, it does take this long. Now, in the meantime, you might be lucky and you might still be able to get wins and finish mid-table. Or in the meantime, you your squad and your salary cap might have done that much damage and you also might not be getting a whole lot of luck with injuries or results or referees or whatnot in the meantime. And you're rooted to the bottom whilst you're trying to rebuild. That's where we are. Our squad was that bad. Our salary cap was that bent out of shape. And we've also happened to have a couple of years where we have had no luck. Yeah. So, um, you know, you combine all those things together and they turn into wooden spoons. But they could e- equally have been a 14th or a 13th for two years. We could even they could have easily done that with an extra couple of wins and a bit more luck and a couple less injuries. We could have been 11th or 12th whilst we were doing this rebuild, and then we still would be looking on the up next year. We're not. We've had a few things go against us, as well as stuff of our own doing, and that has culminated in where we are. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm, I'm excited about about next year, and I think that we were excited heading into this year because we'd solve half the problem, which was the engine room. And we've seen the benefits of that this year. We didn't even get a chance to see our 
spine combination combined much at all this year, if at all. I don't know that Buller ever played with Dewey. I don't know that we had too many um, games where we even had, what did we have? We, then the backup was probably the best options then were probably having Brooks and um, Laurie in the half. That, that's been two games that we've seen, and they've looked reasonable in those two games. Played pretty average, and, and I guess really we pushed south Souths, and then we should have beaten Canberra. You know, so anyway, I'm going around in circles. But next year, because we've figured out this engine room, um, we're now the halves. We've been crying out for the halves change for 10 years in many ways, and that's always been that, well, what's that incorrect cliche about the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing, expecting different results. That's actually not the definition of insanity, and that is one of the, the worst sayings that people say. <laughs> but, but um, there is a point to that sentiment, which was the Brooks thing. We now are going into next year, for better or worse, have it. We'll have most likely an entirely, or we will have an entirely new halves combination. Most likely being Caesar and Sullivan, with Fayunu waiting in the wings. I am interested into how it's all going to play out, and at the very least, I'm excited because it's something new. Um, we have changed an area that struggled this year. The the engine room and the forward pack didn't necessarily struggle and they did quite well. They could have probably even been a little bit better in some areas, but they've been on the whole, the forward pack, really good. The halves are what let us down and then the backs offer an extension of that. The backs have started to improve and, and the benefit of the backs are that we've filled a couple of those spots. Tupo gets a spot. Toa, particularly if he can find a bit more consistency, probably nails a centre spot and then Buller is our full back for as long as he wants. So the back line itself is looking a bit better. So the halves was the key area, and, we're, and we've made some changes there. So that's encouraging, if nothing else. And it's exciting. Change is exciting. We're going to see a new direction of some description. Now, we don't want know what that looks like. But the, um, yeah, the age-old adage is, oh, it could never be, get worse. Well, it could always get worse, but at the very least, it'll be exciting because it'll be new. It'll be different. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you think about these, you know, these so-called experts and I say that very very loosely with these reporters and they're saying how um you know I read an article you know Appy was talking about you know how much you know he had to adapt this year um you know he didn't think the rebuild was going to be as big as it was and all this jazz and that's fair you know that's fair he's come from a very successful club to a club that um has been rebuilding for some time but didn't do it right over and over again didn't fix any uh didn't fix any of the problems that were there. They just tried to put a band aid over them. Um yeah. and then you've got, you know, the the reporters who probably never get played a game of football in their life, uh pretty hopeless at, you know, journalism as well, coming out and saying that you'd expect them with who they've um bought to be better than they were. You know, you, you expected all this stuff. And like, yeah. And we were in the areas that we bought. We were better in the forward pack. We were better, you know, post-contact meters, you know, aggression in the middle, you know, really tightening up that middle. And that's what we bought. It was everywhere else that was letting us down. And then they, they don't acknowledge that because, again, um, they're the best armchair sportsman you've ever met in your life. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is very good to see that um, we continue to, 
agree with the direction that the club is going. You know, there's definitely been times yeah. in the past where we were like, we put our hands up and say, I have no idea what you're doing. Um, and so I think it's the, the longest streak we've ever done a podcast where we haven't mentioned the shit that Justin Pascoe do- does out in the open sometimes because it hasn't been a focus of him. It's like everyone's sort of moved on because no one really cares about that anymore. So now they're moving on to, you know, they've decided to move on to other areas. So, yeah, it's just it's good to see that yeah, we're... What are you saying? I was going to say, I don't really have... I was just going to say, I don't really have much of an issue with anything Pascoe's doing at the moment. And this I this is the thing that irks me about the like, Yeah. And the thing that irks me about the likes of... Um, the likes of James Hooper, for example, is that, and and there's other commentators in and around the space as well, but just go hard at Pasco and Hadji Pentelis all the time, non-stop. And, look, I'll be the first to admit that those blokes have made mistakes and they have gotten in the way of us making advancements in certain areas of the club. I'm not going to make a pot about them, but not everything that happens to the club, from results on field to merchandise sales is always their fault. Um, anyway, I don't know. I don't want that up. I just, and I'm not going to go in being an apologist or going to bat for mistakes that they had made, but at a certain point, show a little bit of rational thought and a little bit of contextual understanding that there are a multitude of variables when it comes to the success of a football club this large. And don't be a simpleton and think that everything revolves around the performance of, of these two blokes. You know, have a little bit of a nuance in the way that you comment on this sort of stuff. Yeah, criticise them when they deserve to be criticised and when they had nothing to do with anything. Maybe look at the actual key factors as to why there would be a problem. So it is refreshing in some ways to not constantly hear our executive be bombarded by um, by critiques when they haven't made a mistake for a period of time. But I think even still, there was another dredged up story storm in a teacup that Hooper again, who likes at the moment, just putting St. Pasco's name because it uh, I don't know, gets clicks or whatever else. Whinging about the fact that he was the only CEO not to attend this um, this conference or of some sort that they had on Monday because of a prior engagement. And so it's another headline about, you know, Tiger CEO make yet another blunder. There's no blunders. Someone had a prior engagement, they couldn't make it, you know. And so that's where it's over the top to me. And no, like, I'm not a fan of over the Prior yeah. engagement shows that, okay, well, I had something else scheduled. This could have been a huge stakeholder for the Tigers. I yeah. can't make it. If it was last-minute engagement and it wasn't anything to do with that, you could sit there and say, okay. But sit there and say a prior engagement, he's really dropped the ball. I'm like, what was the prior engagement? Tell me what the prior engagement was, and then we'll actually believe anything you write. So, like, I've been yeah. critical of Pasco and Hadjimantelis in the past. I think that they've pissed me off to a point where I've vented about them, and you know, um, you know, I want them gone. I want them this. I want them that. And that's me, you know, acting out of emotion, um, acting out of, uh, you know, not just just over everything that was happening at that point in time in terms of the Tigers. But um, look, at the end of the day, uh, if I'm not hearing anything about him or Hadjim and Tellus, if they're not making headlines for me, 
for all the wrong reasons, I'll just let them be. Yeah, which is exactly all we want. Stay behind the scenes and do what you need to do, and we won't be talking about you. You know, I've sent emails to Justin Pascoe uh, thanking him and complimenting on some of the stuff he's done for the club as a representative of our podcast. And I've also sent emails critiquing the proof that I didn't approve same thing that. and saying, Well, that's all right. I didn't approve the rants that you go on about him anyway. But the point is, <laughs> the point is that um, we're not, you and I, so to speak. You know, we don't sit on either side of the fence when it comes to anybody in that football club. If, if we feel as though it, oh, this comes with a giant caveat of saying, who cares what we think? Yeah. For a couple of blokes <laughs> with a microphone. Two Tigers, Tragics having a yarn. It's there in the title. So, you know, we've, we've got opinions and what do they say? They're, they're like assholes. Everyone has, has one and usually shit comes out of it. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, we we don't we don't sit on one camp or the other where it's always their fault or it's never their fault. You just call it as you see. You know, if, if Tim Sheens is making some poor selection decisions, but I'm a fan of Tim Sheens, I'm not going to let the fact I'm a fan of Tim Sheens get in the way of me criticising his selection decisions. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his per se just because of who he is, mind you, but I'm just using it as an example. Benji Marshall's coming in and some of his tactics are, are not effective or they're not particularly working very well but I am a fan generally of his overall coaching approach. I won't let that get in the way of me criticising him because you can't. No. Otherwise, exactly. you're not an objective observer and you're letting bias come in the way. Yeah, and how many times have we sat there in the past and said, got a lot of respect for Luke Brooks, got a lot of, you know, I think he's a top bloke, he's, you know, all this, you know, this, that and the other, but we don't like the way you're playing. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I agree. And it's, that is- uh, there you go. I was going to say, that's an important distinction with a difference, is you need to be able to be um, honest and you have your prefer- preferences, but you don't let that get in the way if you're trying to critique somebody or, or, or place critique. You know, nobody's asking us for our critique in that football club. They don't even know we exist in many ways, but um, you know, our listeners enjoy listening. And we just enjoy, we, and we enjoy sharing our opinions on certain things about a club that we love so much. Exactly, exactly. Mate, um, I was talking briefly, and I'll just touch on it, how I mentioned last week that um, our ability to execute above all else is the key issue. It has yeah. been the key issue for a long time. In the 10th minute, Laurie kicked it dead. 14th minute, full up, double movement. Otherwise, you know, how close was that to a, to a try? Uh, Staines got access to a ball on a grubber, ran over the top of the ball, touched it, so went 20 metres in dead. Uh, 20 metres dead, 20 metre restart, sorry, went in dead in goal, 20 metre restart to Canberra. 20th minute, uh, Laurie break, and then they went into touch, or threw it into touch. 22nd minute, Appy kicked it dead. And I'll mention when the ball went into touch on Laurie's break, it was on the second tackle, and Stafford Toa challenged it, Oh, even though he touched it, clear as day. So again, dumb football, execution, just a disgrace. 33rd, um, the short dropout loss. So Canberra got a short dropout. We lost that back. Didn't contest the ball. 47th minute, kicked it out on the full off the kickoff. Junior Tupo. 55th minute, um, Brooks had an air swing after his chip and chase. Chip and chase, perfect. They had a complete air swing at the ball rather than dove on the ball because it wasn't the last tackle. 67th minute, the James, James, Atasi James offloaded to no one. 
and I, I'd stopped going at that point because I think we'd, um, we'd scored and come back into it. But then there was the Nofaluma one. There was the bounce that Nofaluma didn't go hard at, even though he could have got there on the pull. He waited for wow. the bounce, and then it bounced exactly the one place that we wouldn't allow us to score to win the game. Yeah, so that was just a small little list of either dumb things that didn't need to happen, poor decisions in the game, lack of game awareness, and or just execution just not being there, missing these half chances. We've been talking for a couple of weeks about half chances and how the best teams take 50% of it and we take bugger all. There is a list, mate, for you of eight or nine, that, and I probably missed a whole bunch too, of, of chances that whilst they weren't all leading to tries, they were coming close. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's been the story of uh, of our whole season. Like, we think about the first, what, eight or nine or ten rounds, the amount of times that we would get in the opposition's 20, and just poor choices, poor choices, poor choices, every single time. Um, yeah. You know, it's just been the story, and that's, I'm hoping what's going to be a bit of a difference next year is, um, you know, Everyone's like, oh, you know, Brooks is like, Braith and Astor is the biggest Brooks supporter there is by far. And, you know, that's fair. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, but he was like, you know, Appy and Brooks have been the best players on the field for the Tigers. Uh, probably in the last six weeks, maybe you could probably say that. Like before Brooks got injured, all that jazz, you could probably say that. You know, you've got to throw Buller in there somewhere. I'd, I'd probably say that Brooks would be in the top three. But where's that been for two years? It's just, you know, with those sort of moments, you've got to own them. One second, my daughter's just decided to come and join the podcast. Give me two seconds, guys. That's all right. No worries. Uh, I'm in the same boat at the moment. The battles of a, a couple of young fathers. <laughs> I'm just uh, getting a bottle for my daughter myself. But, yeah, yeah. I make the, um, the whole Brooks argument about the ability to execute has been a big thing for a big time, obviously, but you know, the other consideration that comes with that is going to be the fact that he, coming back, we can only judge someone on, on what they're providing with us at the moment. And Brooks, undoubtedly, since he's come back from that hamstring, has been quite good. I, I might add, quite good, but I might go off on a little bit of a tangent there, uh, or not even a tangent, I might even use that as a bit of a segue, I should say. I might segue into next week's game and talk about uh, well this upcoming game against the Warriors because it's worth a bit of a chat. What do you think? It is. It is. So it's mate, definitely um, worth a bit of a chat. And... In a in a gesture to the Warriors for what they did during COVID, we have chosen to take our home game over to Hamilton in New Zealand, and we play them on Saturday at five thirty p.m. our time in Australian Eastern mm. Standard Time, mate. What do you think of that move? Do you agree with it? I do you like it? 100% agree with it. I think for everything the Warriors did during COVID, um, you know, a lot of them were away, for that, away from their family for big chunks of time. I was actually rallying and I was hoping that, you know, people would be a little bit more sensible about it is all this year, every Warriors game should have been played in New Zealand, regardless if it's a home game or not because of the fact that they had to play two full years away from their, ha- their home. Two full years. So I'm a big, big fan of it. I think that that's exactly what a lot of clubs, and I think a lot of clubs have done. Um, but that's, you know, 
exactly what we did and uh, I applaud the, the higher-ups for doing that. So what about yourself? We're the only club that actually we're the only club that actually took a home game over there. Oh really? Yeah. The I only thought club. more people did. I'll say no, the same I don't thing agree with the rest. that I said I'll say the same thing that I said a little bit earlier in the week, which is um, who needs wins and home ground advantage when you can just be the nice guys of the league and come last, eh? I understand the I understand what you're saying, and I understand the argument. But at a certain point, I don't give a flying fuck. This team needs to win football games, and you can do so many gestures in the world other than take the one few advantages you have as a struggling side. Take a game over there as the gesture, because well, what does that do? It takes away our home fans' rights to go to a game ourselves. So you're taking it away from our own fans. You're also then basically saying to the fan base, look, we don't need advantages. Uh, we don't really care about wins. We know it's going to be harder over there, but we're going to do a nice thing first. Look, I understand it, mate, but in my eyes, it's just another example to actually criticise the likes of Pasco and had to then tell us on a decision where they are putting other variables or other KPIs above football field wins and in my eyes that's one of the key problems for this club for a little period of time and they need to get the priority back moving forward to how do we get the most amount of wins in the first grade football team and this is not one of those decisions and I think that's why it sits a little bit unwell with me there's any number of things they could do mate like the Broncos put like a thank you patch on their jersey you know you could give them like gifts of whatever or this sort of ABC so Look, yeah, I can. Yeah. It's nice, I'm, but I'm, I'm a little bit. Against, I'm a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely against. I'm a little bit tired. A little bit tired of being the nice guys of the league. Um, I want them to start actually focusing on wins. Look, I'm. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a great gesture, and I think that more clubs should have done it. I think that. Um, yeah, I'm hundred support it. So yeah, you and I are definitely on the. On the opposite sides of this one, so right. it is what it is. Mate, that's all good, uh, and that's they were allowed. You know, you're entitled to your incorrect opinions. I always say, so <laughs> that's why we're here. You're entitled to your uncompassionate opinion, but yep, I don't I, even uncompassionate. I'd rather be. I'd rather be. I'd rather be. Incompassionate. Uncompassionate. I'd rather be incompassionate uh, winner. That it. Than a compassionate loser, non-compassionate. Yeah, well, lacking lacking compassion. Maybe, maybe the maybe this is just a gesture where the the football gods will actually you know, help us. Who knows? But um, I, you know, you know what? Again, next next year can't change. We are next year. We're essentially back to uh, Campbelltown and Leichhardt for the most part, as far as I'm aware. So that's good news. Uh, we can focus yeah, 2024 and beyond on getting a little bit a little bit back to home base, which would be nice, mate. Let's go through the side here. We've got uh, Jareen Buller at fullback, Nofaluma and Junior Tupo are the wingers. Asu Kapoa comes into the centres as Tupo pushes out to the wing for Staines, obviously, and Staffatoa joins Asu in the centres. This week, Dane Laurie and Luke Brooks are the halves once more. Stefano Uto Ikemanu and David Klemmer are the props. Api Korosau is the hooker and captain. Papaliti and Bateman are the second row, and Pole locks the scrum. That Fortunately, that forward pack is something we've been able to get pretty consistent. 
yeah. for most of the year, and I think that's allowed them to gel well, well, relatively well together as a unit. Onto the interchange bench, we have Jake Simpkin as their replacement hooker slash uh, utility at 14. Safer, Spall, and Bloor returns this week from concussion. They round out the interchange bench. The reserves extended bench is Justin Manamu in 18, Aitasi James 19, Tristan Riley 20, Josh Felidi in 21, and Kip Lali'i in uh, jersey number 22. So uh, a couple of small changes there, mate. Obviously, Tupo back to the wing is not a huge surprise given we've lost Staines. He yeah. uh, has played most of the year there, so no dramas there. Asi Kapoa plays in centre, which is probably a better position than him on the wing. Would you agree? 100%. Okay. Uh, and then we obviously get the likes of Steph and Bloor back, which would be huge for us. What do you think uh, Ute Kamanu and, and Sean Bloor bring coming back into our side? Um, so obviously Steph, is he's been a great starter for us. But um, you and I both agree that he seems to play his best when he's a little bit angry and he's a little bit, has a bit of an edge to him. And uh, I don't know if he has that when he starts. I think he has that more when he comes on. Um, so his second stint is generally better than his first. One second, sorry. Um, but Bloor, like we've said, he's probably been one of our best forwards by far over the last six weeks. Just adds that aggression, adds that um, that punch through the middle. Um, just comes on and he just all he wants to do is hurt people. All he wants to do is run hard, tackle hard, and that's what he adds to it. He adds that aggression that we need, uh, especially against you know we know how uh, dominant and aggressive the Warriors forward pack can be, especially with, um, wow, completely spaced on his name, um, but one of their props. Adam Fanua Blake? That's the one, Fanua Blake. I had Nelson, as, uh, Nelson. let's just say Nelson. I can always mispronounce his last name, so I don't want to do that and bug, buggle that up. But, um, yeah, we always we, we know how, um, how, how solid their forward pack can be and how aggressive they are, and I think that, Having Bloor on there, and then having um, you know Steph's second stint will definitely counteract that. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I think that they both bring a bit of intensity, don't they? Particularly off the bench. Yes, hundred percent. The one thing too, I just I, I forgot to kind of mention. Um, I think we can probably both agree that. The Alex Seyfarth that we've seen this year is completely different to the Alex Seyfarth we saw last year. Um, yeah. I think that he's simplified his game. He's got cut out all those bullshit errors, cut out a lot of the penalties. And his effort on the weekend directly stopped a try. If you remember that break they made down the left side. And he, not, like, yeah, he was never going to catch them. he pushed hard on the inside. Yeah, he was never going to catch them, but he didn't stop. And I think he dove. And because of that, you know, that... The drive that he had and the fact that he didn't stop forced White to, you know, pass wrong or kick wrong or no, it was um, forced. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was a. Uh, I think it was Chris to kick and it went out. So yeah, just that effort. Yeah, and so like I'm very pleased yeah. to see him actually in the side, which I didn't think I'd ever say. So the one oh. one percenters, mate. Yeah, most definitely. For those who were on the on the YouTube, I've just uh, taken oh. charge of our, our little monkey here. She's she's woken up and had a bit of a stretch, so she's nice. just going to have a little bottle here, hopefully, while uh, we finish up the podcast. But we can multitask, my friend. We can. We can. 
we can always do that. And, yeah. You know, I agree. You know, I agree with you on the seat on the seat bath front. Um, the our major issues with him in the past couple of years, as you well know, has been the silly penalties and the mistakes, and he would just have the you know the smarts of what were you describing him as a drunken drunken Labrador. Drunken Labrador. Times. Yeah. He's all energy, um, and he's all all arms and willpower, but he made a few mistakes. So, yeah, I, he doesn't look his name on there. Doesn't fill me with a great deal of excitement, but it doesn't worry me, I guess, like it used to when it was prone to those couple of little errors. Yeah, hundred percent. But um, look, that effort that we had on the weekend against the Raiders. Um, like I said, I don't think I'm going to give any predictions for the end of, for the rest of the season. I just want to see some more of those efforts because I feel like more of those efforts are just going to lead to a very strong off season, um, very strong preseason. Sorry, um, but you know, you said it before in uh, uh, probably in one of our chats that um, you know these clubs just keep other clubs just seem to jag a win. It's just what they keep doing. You know, we thought the Dragons were going to do it against the Eels last week, but. Thankfully, um, Eels got on top, and we can we're in still within reach of the Dragons. Um, but you know, surely we've got to jag one before the end of the year. Surely we do, and who knows? It could be this week. So. You're not making game predictions, but you got a bold prediction for us. I got a bold prediction. Um, I'm going to say Brooks will do a show and go, break the line. And then pass to Laurie for a for a finish. No, sorry, pass to Buller for a finish. Okay. What about yourself? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I've got a game prediction. Uh, we're going to win. Wee. I like that. Yeah. We're actually going to get out to a lead, which we've barely done this year. We're going to hold the lead for most, if not all, the game. Sean Johnson's going to have some good stuff, like he has been, but he's actually going to have a, a rare off night, I think. Uh, and this is going to be the um, the little loss that the Warriors need to have heading into the, the season. That's I think it's going to come this week. I think they might get a bit complacent. I think we'll get them. They would get them twenty six eighteen. Nice. If they do, he's going to get five from five from five, including a um, penalty goal in there. Yeah. If um, you know, I I'm, I'm cheering for the Warriors this season too. I like that they're going well. Um, so if they make the top four, I'm going to cheer on them the whole way through. So, um, yeah, look, it's, yeah, it's, I like they're that. one of those sides. They're one of those sides that are hard to, hard to dislike. I think in a lot of ways. Oh, I dislike um, them for a very and, long time because they illegally knocked us out of the finals in 2011. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. I understand that. <laughs> that makes sense. That's logical. Yeah. But yeah, they're not, they're not the type that tend to rub a lot of fans the wrong way and people do like to see them succeed I guess um, I, I'm not a massive fan of any other side succeeding particularly a perennial struggler I want it to be us and so I get a little bit I guess jealous in that regard but yeah it is good to see it, look above all else it's good to see new teams that haven't been there for a while doing well that's what yeah. I like to see the yeah. NRL should be more like some of the other major leagues the EPL excluded um, where they do cycle through different types of not all the teams but there are new-ish contenders every few years. You, know, you see that through the NFL. You see that through the AFL. Yeah. You know, see that through the NBA. You know, and it's, in my opinion, this is a topic for another day, but draft-based leagues, um, 
we tend to see this happen a bit. So yeah. Um, anyway, that that might be a, a segue for a, a, an off-season pod discussion, I think, and, and rehash that draft draft idea again because I think this year again it is uh, really really shown it to be uh, an issue. So yeah, I reckon we're going to get him twenty six eighteen. Bold prediction is, I guess, um, happy five from five and and the score itself, but I, I might actually say that. Um, uh, Asu Kapo is going to have a bit of a screamer in the centres and he's just going to do a real job out there there quite well. So uh, I think he might um, might do a couple of silly things as he tends to do, but I reckon he's going to have a good game out there in the centres. I'm happy with that. Mate, uh, anything else to add before we do our PSAs and wrap up the show for the week? Um, no, I will be watching the, uh, that on delay. Uh have my wife's birthday on Saturday, so... Um, got dinner at five thirty, so be watching that on delay when I get home. So, uh, no spoilers, How please. Rude. How rude no, of her probably. to be born on this particular day? I know, right? Hmm. Inconsiderate. Well, mate, you enjoy that, and you uh, make sure that you look after your lovely wife on Saturday. Oh well, got teppanyaki. So, ah, oh, very good. I hope it lands on your plate. So do I. I don't particularly want to sounds, end it off the floor. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Mate, um, the Facebook page, Tiger Town Podcast, the Spotify channel by the same name, and the YouTube channel by the same name. Those are the three platforms you will find us on. Hop on there and follow if you haven't already. Or even better yet, we might ask, start recommending. Send it to a few people. Send in a message. Send our links uh, in a text message to somebody or a, or a Facebook message or a DM or whatnot. Spread the show around if you're enjoying what you're hearing out of us and, and you enjoy tuning in each and every week. Thank you for your patience this week as well, guys. Uh, the fact the show came out a day or two late, sometimes it happens. But that's all right. We're always dedicated to make sure we do get the show out. Two other podcasts that always get their shows out relatively on time and do a wonderful job doing it is the West Tigers podcast and the West Life podcast. As we say every single week, those guys do it better than us. Get on over there and tell them who sent you, the lads from Tiger Town podcast. Right, anything else to add before we wrap up the show and look forward to Saturday evening's game? Uh, no, all done for me. Um... Yeah, look, it's uh, not the ideal end to the season that we wanted, but it's, yeah, it's still looking good for next year, so. That's it. We can keep looking forward. So we've got a few games to enjoy before a much-needed needed rest mentally. Uh, and yep. then we start gearing up come November 1 when the first, uh, or November 15, when the first pre-season training photos come out. Let's do it. Always look forward to that. Mate, on that note, uh, from myself and little Audrey here, Go the West Tigers. Go the Tigers.